This is the Rundown. The Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the auction community studios for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski with you. Michaela Perkins behind the glass. Michaela, how you doing back there? Sarah dancing. Hanging in there. How are Sarah, you? Sarah Luke just Lipinski. dancing out of the door. Yeah, she dances everywhere she goes. It's she wonderful. Um, yeah, hanging in there. Decent weekend, all things considered. Sarah, you stopped dancing and now that threw off my whole evening. Do you really need me to dance for two more hours so you can do your show? No, like an hour and 59 minutes. We're already a minute in. And <laughs> oh, plus, good call. Plus good a call. break before 8 o'clock, so you're fine. <laughs> Just like an hour 58 would be really cool. Gladly. Uh, since Sarah's not going to do that, let's get into the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Well, we will begin with the Arizona Cardinals. This happened over the weekend. They get Brett Hundley signed to a one-year deal. So all that P.J. Walker talk on Friday was pretty clearly posturing, and that's fine. That's what happens this uh, this time of year. Even though it feels like nothing is happening on a schedule that it normally does this year, uh, the Cardinals get their backup quarterback. Honestly, I, I think most Cardinals fans are, are on the same page as, with me uh, on this one. I like Hundley as the backup. I do. I talked about this last week. It, you know, any team that loses their starting quarterback is is going to be in trouble. So I'm not saying that if Kyler Murray missed a significant chunk of the season next year, the Cardinals would just be fine. But I do think if he had to miss two or three games here or there, I think Brett Hundley could come in and, you know, they Kyler Murray misses three games. I don't think they go 3-0 without him. They're probably not going 3-0 with him yet, although I don't know the way this offseason's gone. But uh, if Brett Hundley had to step in for two or three games over the course of the season, I think he would keep them in most of those games. He, he was a, a good fit within the offense last year. It was very limited action that we saw him in, but he also looked good in the preseason. Again, they, you know that's the preseason, so take it, whatever you want from that. But I'd rather have him than just some random, and it's not a knock on P.J. Walker, but you know somebody from the XFL or some random backup from around the league that doesn't know Cliff Kingsbury's system. I think one of the biggest things that could be working in the Cardinals' favor this year, and it certainly hasn't been working in their favor in past years, is the fact that they're going to have a little continuity from last season into 2020. And look around the league. I mean, there's a lot of teams that switched coaches. There's a lot of teams that have switched quarterbacks. I mean, even the Patriots have switched quarterbacks. We'll get to them in a second. And that's always a potential step back, but especially this offseason when we don't know when teams are actually going to be able to practice together or have OTAs. We just don't know that timeline. So I think one of the biggest things working in the Cardinals' favor this season is that they're going to have some continuity from 2019 to 2020, and now that extends to the backup quarterback role. And I think that's I think that's that's huge, potentially, for the Cardinals. You hope it never comes into play. Like, I like Brett Hundley. I hope we never see him this year, other than at practice, and maybe he comes in at the end of a game they're winning by 17 or something in the fourth quarter. But you have to have a backup, and you have to have a backup that you're comfortable with and that, you know, you're not asking your backup to come in and change the game, but you also don't want to have to change the game for your backup. And I think with Brett Hundley, they have a guy that, that you can bring in, and in terms of running the offense and the offense looking the same, that should be relatively seamless. Devon Kennard today addressing the media, although addressing the media over uh, over Zoom online, 
But he was introduced as one of the newest members of the Arizona Cardinals. He first had this to say in terms of his level of surprise when he found out he wasn't going to be with the Lions this season. It was a big surprise. I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, Kind of came out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, I wasn't sure what the interest was. I wasn't about you know any other teams or any circumstances at all so um you know my agent and i kind of just regrouped when that happened and and uh started to see where we were from there canard of course a captain on the lions last year also uh, went to high school here in the valley and uh he is intrigued by the fact that he gets to come home and play his his nfl football here now i was talking to some of my buddies uh, i grew up here with and played high school ball with and uh we'd always have conversations like how cool it would be if i played for the cardinals one day and and all of those things but it's one of those things you didn't think would actually you know happen and what are the chances type of deal so when it did um you know it was just kind of like wow like and you know it's still kind of like setting on me even now like thinking about the fact that i'll be home and family and friends will be able to uh come to games and just what the day-to-day uh is going to look like for me. Um, you know, I'm used to being gone majority of the year, so it's, it's uh, going to be cool, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, really cool for him that he gets to come home and play in front of his family. Also this, though, he had to be asked about his reaction to the DeAndre Hopkins trade, because remember, this is, you know, he's he's on the Cardinals now, but when that trade went down, he was not a member of the Cardinals, even though it was just a week ago, so he had a more unbiased, I guess, view of it than somebody like me, or you know, certainly if you're a Cardinals fan driving around, but even he was blown away by it. I mean, to be honest, I couldn't believe it. I was like, how, how the heck did that happen? Um, you know, DeAndre is an incredible player, so I'm excited to to hopefully get a chance to get to know him. And, um, you know, I have a ton of respect. I remember when I was in Detroit and, and uh, we actually played there, uh, we're approximately against them last camp and uh, the matchups it was it was fun to watch on film the matchups between him and slay so um you know got a chance to you know watch him a little bit because of that and and i'm excited for him to be a t- be my teammate and i'm glad he's on he's on my team you know what i mean so the cardinals continue to uh, to shore up their roster heading into 2020 i think dan bickley put it pretty well this afternoon i think it was actually during the bickley blast where he said was the last time you were this excited about a five-win team coming back for next season but for a lot of reasons we're all very excited about the Cardinals coming back next season. And, you know, some of it's the stuff that's going on uh, in the real world outside of sports, but some of it within the world of sports. They've had a pretty good first week of the offseason in terms of uh, rebuilding their roster. On to the real world outside of sports and where it intersects with sports. The Olympics postponed likely to 2021. That's what it sounds like. Started to hear rumblings yesterday that Canada was not going to put their athletes uh, in the games if they were taking place as scheduled this summer uh, this seemed like a pretty inevitable decision the IOC was starting to take some some PR hits for waiting as long as they did to make the decision and I know you can look at the calendar and you can say well July is still four months away but to me the Olympics are a little bit different than if the NBA or the NHL is able to start back up or Major League Baseball is able to start up in, in July or whatever or even before or who knows but with the Olympics you're talking about people from all over the world gathering and if you can push it back a year then in a lot of ways you don't completely cut those athletes out of, uh, of of their dreams. I mean, if you're an Olympic athlete, for the most part, there's not a lot of professional archery leagues that are paying you multi-million dollars. But if you've been gearing up for the 2020 Olympics your whole life and you're going to make it, 2021 may not uh, may not just completely end that dream. It will for some sports. That's just the reality of the situation. But uh, for, for a lot of them, if you're able to just push it back one year and everybody is safe then by doing that, you got to do it. 
Finally, to the NFL, there's still a lot going on around the NFL. And one of the most confusing things is uh, what the Patriots are going to do at quarterback. They go out there and they get Brian Hoyer. So this is Ian Rappaport today. He's a by adding Brian Hoyer, they now have Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham essentially competing. I guess Cody Kessler too, but essentially those first two competing. Once you add Hoyer, it makes it harder to add a legitimate quarterback that could take over and be your number one for years and years. So all of a sudden, it's looking more and more like the Patriots may just go with Jarrett Stidham. Here's Ian Rappaport. Brian Hoyer, Jarrett Stidham, and Cody Kessler are going to be battling it out for the starting quarterback position once held by Tom Brady. Of course, the Patriots could draft a quarterback as well, but we're still a month from finding out that answer. And more from Ian Rappaport on why Brian Hoyer decided to pick the Patriots. Believe it or not, New England is going to have a quarterback competition during the 2020 training camp. Here's what we know. Brian Hoyer, the former Patriots backup two times, has now been signed to a one-year deal. Gets a million dollars or so from the Patriots. A million dollars from the Colts as part of a bonus that he received uh, despite being released by them. And, of course, he gets $2 million extra in incentives depending on how he plays and how much he plays. But that is not all. Agent Joe Linter, who I talked to after the deal happened, said that Hoyer could have been offered 5 or $6 million from another team. But he wanted to be in New England because they told him he would have the chance to compete for the starting job. Look, nothing against Brian Hoyer, but if you're a Cardinals fan, you remember Brian Hoyer. And... When he was here in 2012 as part of the quarterback carousel, did you ever think, oh, that's the heir apparent to Tom Brady in New England? Bill Belichick is either going out of his way to stick with guys that he knows and that know his system. Hoyer has been there, as you heard Ian Rappaport say, a couple different times in his career. Jared Stidham has thrown four NFL passes in his career. He's completed two of them. Look at that. He's either going out of his way to make sure he has guys he's familiar with and that are familiar with him. Or he really wants to prove that he can win without Tom Brady. Here's the thing. If the Patriots had gone with, like, Jameis Winston this year, and I know it's, it's easier to say that than for them to actually go through and do it. There's, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. But if they had done that, and let's say the Patriots had a ton of success, let's, they, they make it, let's say they make it back to the AFC Championship or even to the second round of the playoffs, nobody's going to look and say, oh, yeah, but you had Jameis. That's almost as good as Brady. Anything the Patriots do this year... Belichick could feasibly point to and say, yeah, I was able to do this without Tom Brady. He doesn't have to go all the way down to Jarrett Stidham to prove that he didn't need Brady if that's really what's going on here. It's a really weird situation in New England because mentally it's hard for me to visualize that team being bad, and I don't think they will be bad. But if you're telling me any other team is going into the season with Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer, oh, and... and Sorry, possibly Cody Kessler as their quarterbacks. I'm not picking them to go real far. All right, when we come back, another NFL player is cryptically subtweeting through the art of music lyrics. This one's directed at the Houston Texans. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. Luke Lipinski here with you. Michaela Perkins behind the glass. We had David Johnson with the subtweet on his way out on Friday. This is not new, but it just seems to be 
very trendy now for whatever reason, all seemingly related to the same trade. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Did you see this tweet today, Michaela? I did. It's uh, They're really good at subtweeting over there in Texas. They, they are. I mean, David Johnson, I guess, is going to the right place. Uh, quoting Emotionless from Drake. I don't know how I'm going to make it out of here clean. Can't even keep track of who plays for the other team. Iconic duos rip and split at the seams. If he's not talking about himself and DeAndre Hopkins, he has to be aware that it looks like he's talking about himself and DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm going to assume Deshaun Watson knows what he's tweeting. I feel like that's a safe assumption. Right. I mean, you don't, it's not like, it's not like he accidentally said something or was misquoted. He typed this himself. These are this, I don't think he was just randomly feeling the need to quote Drake on his Twitter page. If so, he could have done this two weeks ago or two weeks from now. Doing it right now when you just traded away your best target for, as Michael Irvin put it, a ham sandwich is, um, it's just another reminder of how dysfunctional the Houston Texans look right now. Because you have to remember, if you talk to people from Houston, they will tell you, yeah, the DeAndre Hopkins trade is terrible for them and and maybe the worst one they've ever made, but he's not the first guy that Texans fans feel like Bill O'Brien has run out of town. Um, if they lose Deshaun Watson, and, and look, him tweeting something doesn't mean they're going to lose him, but if they do lose Deshaun Watson, talk about a franchise that was, again, up on the Chiefs by, what, 20 points in the second quarter of a playoff game a couple months ago. The Chiefs, who, of course, ultimately won the Super Bowl. A Texans team that, at, at not that far in the, in the recent past, had J.J. Watt, Davian Clowney, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins to build around. And now, you don't have Clowney, you don't have Hopkins. If you're running the Texans, if you really felt like Deshaun Watson leaving was a possibility, or if you really thought he was that unhappy, I think at a certain point you have to choose Deshaun Watson over Bill O'Brien. I'm not saying we're there yet, but you have to know what uh, what reaction that's going to elicit when you tweet that out. And certainly, I mean, you start to go through the comments, everything is assuming that he wants out of Houston. And honestly, there's a lot of Texans fans saying, we don't blame you. That trade just crushed that fan base. And it's weird for the Cardinals to be the team on the other side of it. But what are you going to do if you're the Cardinals? And that, that trade is there. You have to take it. So just uh, more problems for the, the Houston Texans there potentially now. The um, the other part of that deal, of course, is the Cardinals getting DeAndre Hopkins. Albert Breer tweeted out earlier today. He just he had a list of the ten teams with the least cap space as of this morning, and the Cardinals are seventh in the sense that they have the seventh least amount of cap space. He has them at just over fifteen million dollars uh, remaining. He also had he's also got a quote where he's talking about. The uh, the potential reasons why Houston felt like they needed to get rid of, of DeAndre Hopkins, and he says the Texans did speak to the Eagles. The Eagles, um, maybe, and some of this is speculation, but it's it's educated speculation on his part, and he mentions Adam Schefter in his quote, too. I won't read you the whole quote, but, uh, but it, I mean, it's out there, certainly on the internet, talking about maybe the Eagles were a little bit worried about giving up too much because they're going to have to pay DeAndre Hopkins. And... That obviously means that the Cardinals are going to have to as well. Now, certainly Arizona knew this coming in. I mean, Hopkins is not making that much considering what he what he is. I mean, you look around the NFL, and Julio Jones is one that they are 
comparing his deal to. And right now, DeAndre Hopkins, over the final, what, three years of his contract, is due to make between 13 and $14 million a year. Julio Jones currently making $22 million a year. The thing with Hopkins is, and you have to remember this, he's not a free agent, so he doesn't get to just call his shot here. If, if we were just redrafting the whole league right now and you got paid based on how good you are at your position, then yeah, Hopkins would be paid as a top three receiver that's not going to be what happens here because he's not going to get what like Amari Cooper just got. And Cooper's a Cooper's a really good receiver. Hopkins is better. Uh, and I do think Cooper's like a top 10 receiver, certainly. But Hopkins, up to this point, if you just... It, most metrics you could use, including the eye test over the last three years, he's pretty clearly one of the top three receivers in the NFL. It's him. It's Julio Jones. It's Michael Thomas. You can make a case that another guy could sneak in there at any point in any given season. But right now, I think most people would pretty pretty universally agree those are the three best receivers in football put them in whatever order you want but that doesn't mean Hopkins gets to get paid like a top three receiver in the NFL because he's not a free agent so the Cardinals knew all this I mean I'm I'm assuming full well they're going to restructure his deal and give him a little bit more but um you, you had to know that going in and in doing so you were able to take advantage of just what had clearly deteriorated in Houston so expect some of that cap space is going to DeAndre Hopkins here at some point, but not to the point where they are uh, they're breaking the bank because they don't necessarily have to. I mean, part of the part of his value is the fact that he comes at an expensive price, but also a relative discount considering what he's able to give you. Well, the Athletic Arizona has a story out today talking about. I'm so distracted. Sarah is still here and still kind of dancing. Sarah, how's it going over there? I'm great. Okay, good. Don't let me interrupt. Sorry. Just go back to whatever you're doing. I don't know why you're trying to talk to me over this music. Excuse. It's my fault. I forgot. This should just be a musical show. Um, They went through, and it's their their main uh, writers from the four sports. So you've got Scott Bordeaux with the Cardinals, Craig Morgan with the Coyotes, Zach Buchanan, D-backs, and Gina Mizell of the Suns, going through and just ranking some of the most painful departures from Arizona sports teams. Sort of a dark story, yeah, but I mean, inspired by the fact that the Patriots just lost Tom Brady. Also, Boston Red Sox just lost Mookie Betts, but that, that probably doesn't, uh, even in Boston, that's not going to qualify on the level of, of Tom Brady. Although I can tell you, a lot of Red Sox fans were very excited about having Mookie Betts for his entire career. So it's been a um, rough couple months for Red Sox sports fans, uh, Boston sports fans in general, but nobody's going to feel sorry for them because they win a championship every eight minutes. Going through some of the uh, the most painful departures from each team, and Pat Tillman is is the one for the Cardinals. Obviously, I mean that's a whole separate thing. So we will uh, we'll just we'll just agree on that one. But some of the other names that they have on there, I don't want to read all of them because you know it's, it's a pay site. But uh, you know Jake Plummer, one of them uh, for the Cardinals, certainly for the Coyotes, obviously Shane Doan, and they talk about how it's not just that Doan ultimately retired, but you know the way it went down, the way it was perceived, and and. Uh, you know, you look at what Shane Doan did for the Coyotes, it's essentially what Larry Fitzgerald has done for the Cardinals. Now, it's different. Larry Fitzgerald is one of the, the two or three best receivers in the history of the NFL. Shane Doan, though, within the sport of hockey, in the world of hockey, very highly regarded and, and well-respected across the continent. So just for different reasons. Larry Fitzgerald, you know, had a better on, on-field career than, than Shane Doan did, but Larry Fitzgerald never had to keep the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. So certainly for different reasons there. Uh, Mikhail, who's some of the, some of these names that jump out to you, like for the D backs, what was the most painful one off the top of your head? Be- uh, 
the answer they have here is Paul Goldschmidt. I yeah, I was about to say, the one that most recently comes to mind is Paul Goldschmidt. That was absolutely heartbreaking. As much baseball common sense as it made, it still hurt a little bit. Yeah. Um, I cried when he came back to Chase Field. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely say Paul Goldschmidt is the one that comes to mind. Yeah, it, it's got to be that one. You're right. I mean, it was it was sort of offset by the fact that they got pieces back. I mean, you got Carson Kelly back and you got Luke Weaver. Some of these moves, you didn't really get anything back. Yeah, I definitely made the most common sense in terms of like baseball baseball logic, but it hurt, man, yeah. it hurt. I'll tell you what that trade did though for me. I I already trusted Mike Hazen and and just his uh his instincts for running a front office, but that one in the moment as it happened. We didn't know that much about Carson Kelly. Luke Weaver had looked good pitching with the Cardinals, but he'd also been in and out of the lineup and, you know, no consistency up to that point. And the other guys, you can't justify bringing them in for Paul Goldschmidt. Obviously, Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver uh, were the headliners of that deal. So that was a tough one when it happened. But it certainly worked out, and it might still work out for the Cardinals. I mean, that's a team that, depending when they start playing this season, that's still a dangerous team in the National League, and Paul Goldschmidt's a reason why. But if you have to move on from a guy that has been the face of your franchise since like Luis Gonzalez was playing, then getting a, a, a full-time catcher that can hit, at least from one side of the plate, he's got legitimate power, and getting a, a potential uh, top, what, three starter in Luke Weaver? I mean, the way he was pitching last year, he looked like a number two starter. So to, to get that, that sort of offsets the pain of that deal, certainly. The one on this list... And I wasn't in Arizona when he left, but Charles Barkley leaving the uh, the Phoenix Suns. Most people I've talked to that have been here their whole life and have been Valley area sports fans their whole life, uh, the whole life, that's the one they say hurts the most. Again, the Goldschmidt one's sort of offset. Doan, it's not like he's playing for somebody else. Tillman, again, we're, we're separating that on a completely different level that, that doesn't even, I mean, that transcends sports. But some of these other names on this list, and like I said, I'm not going to read them all off because I don't want to just take all their content, but there's um, there's there's a pretty good groundswell among Arizona sports fans that Charles Barkley was the most painful. And I thought Dave Burns did a good job of, of summarizing it earlier today where he said, you know, Charles Barkley, when he got here, that like legitimized the Valley as, as, a, as a dangerous sports town. You got Charles Barkley and you almost won the NBA title. The only team that stood between you and the NBA title was one of the best teams in the history of the game in the Chicago Bulls. You know, pick whichever year of their six titles with Jordan was better or they were the best team and the worst team or whatever of those six. But either way, they were great every single year. By the way, the more I talk, I just want to see that uh, Last Dance documentary that we are now one day closer to, but they're still not putting out until June, apparently. Um, So yeah, Charles Barkley, one of those. And uh, we may may talk to, uh, probably talk to Craig Morgan tomorrow about this, get him on the show and get certainly his insight on the Coyotes, but maybe some of those other ones too, because he's been here in the Valley for a while as well. We come back, we'll get a little uh, national perspective on some of the moves going on around the NFL and specifically with the Cardinals. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. Luke Lipinski here with you and joined now on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line to make some sense out of what we've seen from the NFL offseason so far. Mark Schofield, USA Today NFL writer. Mark, thanks for the time. How are you, how you holding up? I'm doing well, Luke. Great to be with you tonight. Um, 
great to talk to you about some football stuff and forget about everything that's going on in the world right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's um, let's let's start locally here with the uh, with the Cardinals. And I saw your uh, your off season grades from late last week, and you had, I believe, if I remember, I gave the Cardinals an A plus. I assume most of that is from the DeAndre Hopkins trade. So I guess let's start there. Can you a week later make any sense out of what Houston may have been thinking? Uh, honestly, Luke, I can't. I'm actually writing right now some power rankings, and I'm as we're talking right now, I have the Houston Texans blurb up, trying to fill it in, and I just, I just don't know what they were thinking. And I can only imagine that they were looking at this situation where they knew that Hopkins was going to want a big deal at some point, and they weren't going to be able to get that done, keep him on their roster given their cap situation. So they were probably trying to get out of paying him, you know, a year ahead of schedule, a year before that might come due. But that being said, look, we, we know the way the economics of today's NFL work. If you have that young quarterback that's playing well, playing well on a rookie deal, you build around that quarterback and maximize that window when he's relatively cost-controlled. And that's what they have with Deshaun Watson. But rather than doing that, they've sent his best weapon, his ideal security blanket, away. And what do they get in return? A draft pick, and they get the David Johnson contract, which is a contract that is also a bad contract. And now they have to take on at at the running back position, which in today's NFL, it doesn't make any sense. So I'm still scratching my head as to what Bill O'Brien was thinking when he pulled the the trigger on that trade. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so true because every time I I start to convince myself, sort of like you were doing right there, like, oh, there's I guess there's a reason for this. There's always a better reason to not make the trade if you're Houston. Uh, Speaking of Deshaun Watson, I'm I'm sure you saw you actually you 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 tweeted his uh, his his tweet from earlier today. I mean, we can only read so much into that, but that to me sounds like the quarterback you're building around not very happy with the team he's on. And in that picture I used to sort of retweet that, that picture he had from his pre-draft process when he's looking in the rearview mirror. Luke, I think of that picture all the time because Houston seems to have just, just, they just don't seem willing to build around Deshaun Watson. They've failed to give him an offensive line. And I know, look, they, they traded for the Dolphins offensive lineman last year, so they did acquire an offensive lineman for him and then drafted an offensive lineman. But he's still taking sacks, and now you take his best weapon and you ship him out of town. And I know... People pointing out, right, he's, he's quoted some great lyrics in that tweet. But reading that tweet and, and seeing what is going on right now, with he, he cannot be happy. And, of course, you have fans around the league, Patriots fans now saying, oh, please, trade him to New England. Hopkins can – I mean, Deshaun Watson cannot be happy right now. And I can't imagine there's any scenario where he's looking at the situation and thinking, oh, they're doing right by me with the moves that they've made around me. Yeah, uh, it would not be a good time to be a Texans fan. Uh, one more here locally with Cardinals before we start to go more national. Kenyon Drake hadn't really done much in his career until the Cardinals traded for him. And even here in eight games last year, he had good numbers, but most of those numbers came in three games. I'm just wondering now as, as they restructure the backfield around him – what the uh, the national perception or what your perception or opinion is of Kenyon Drake as an NFL running back? I think he's sort of an ideal fit for where Cliff Kingsbury wants this offense to be. Somebody that gives you know some athleticism, but also the ability to still run between the tackles. He could be a factor in the passing game, but also contribute on the ground. And he's somebody that can sort of almost serve as, in a way, that tight end type guy. Because you look at and I know that might sound weird, but you look at Arizona and their offense and how much 10 personnel they run with four receivers and a running back, he's going to have to get some matchups against linebackers and win those matchups, matchups you typically would expect sort of a tight end to handle. And so he gives that offense that type of matchup player, 
and he could win those matchups. And this is a matchup game sometimes where offensive coordinators or offensive-minded head coaches want to identify mismatches and then exploit them. Drake can do that. And so I think he's a perfect fit for what they're building on offense, and I'm really excited to see him take on more of a load next year. Talking to Mark Schofield of USA Today. Uh, Mark, I'm looking through your list of some of the top free agents remaining, and I won't give all of them away, but certainly the top three, I think people would would agree in whatever order. Jadavian Clowney, Jameis Winston, Robbie Anderson as three of the main ones. Do you have any sort of thought of of where some of those guys might land? And I guess let's start specifically with Clowney because it seemed like it certainly seems now like he's not going to get paid the way he was hoping to a week ago. What exactly happened there? You know, I think a couple of things happened. He, when he came out and sort of said, Luke, that he wanted that market-setting deal, I think a lot of general managers sort of looked around and said, well, you know, he is a very good player. He's a great pass rusher. But you look at sort of the next tier of pass rushers, say, you know, the Robert Quinns or the Dante Fowlers or the Leonard Floyds, and you could pay instead of $22 million a year, maybe $12, $13 million a year, and get a good pass rusher. And so teams are looking around and thinking, well, why overpay at this position when there are other options available to us that aren't going to cost us, you know, north of $20 million a season? And so I think Clowney's sort of insistence on getting that market set and deal sort of hurt him. And it's not a situation where, you know, when we get to Robbie Anderson, you can say, well, it's the incoming draft class. It's so deep at receiver that maybe teams are just saying, look, we'll get a cost-controlled guy in the draft. It's such a deep draft class. This edge group isn't that great. So it's not a situation where it's the rookies that are hurting him. I think it's a situation where GMs looked around the league and said, look, we can get a cheaper guy that isn't going to cost as much, but will also give us production off the edge, and we'll just go that route instead. You essentially just answered my Robbie Anderson question before I even asked it with the, just the depth in this draft. But I do want to ask you about, about Jameis Winston. You know, it, this, is, this is sort of a unique situation because we're talking about a guy that was the number one overall pick five years ago, and it's not like he disappeared or he's a bust. He threw 33 touchdowns last year and, and tossed for over 5,100 yards. Yeah, he had the interceptions. But what is the hesitancy for a team to, to take him in? And if they do, are they looking to build around him or are they just kind of looking to see what he has for a year or two? I think it would be more the latter, Luke. And I think the hesitancy with Jameis Winston is, you know, he's now got so five years under his belt, and he, he is who he is as a passer. You know, you point to the 30 interceptions, and, you know, you can go through his film and find even more examples of throws that maybe he's lucky that didn't become a 31st interception on him. But he's been that type of quarterback, dating back to his days at Florida State, willing to take some chances with the football. And, sure, there will be some splash plays along the way where – He'll fit in the throw against, you know, a too high safety look, gets it between the safeties, over the head of the linebacker, and it looks great. But for every one of those, there's two that might get away from him. And so he hasn't sort of gotten past that. He's always going to be this guy that's, you know, very risky, very, you know, not afraid to take chances with the football. And if there was going to be a coach that that would mesh with, it would have been Bruce Arians. We know his offensive philosophy. You guys know it perhaps better than anybody, that no-risk-it-no-biscuit philosophy where you have to take chances with the football. You've got to push it downfield. You can't play the game scared. You can't play the position of quarterback scared. And Bruce Arians said, look, look, it's not working for me. And so it's a situation where he's going to have to find an environment where they'll bring him in perhaps as a backup, sort of let him sort of catch his breath. You know, he's been a starter since he was on – you know, first drafted by Tampa Bay, maybe sort of get a chance to sort of decompress a bit, realize like what he needs to do with the football, how he needs to take care of the football, maybe be a bit more, learn to be a bit more conservative. And I, in looking around the league right now, 
I think some environments that might make sense for him. One might be Los Angeles, the Chargers. I know they're talking about perhaps rolling with Tyrod Taylor, but I think that offense would be a good fit for him. And maybe they would start Taylor and perhaps turn to Winston at some point. And if he does go the backup route, a situation perhaps like the New York Jets of all teams. I know they have Daniel Jones, but they have Jason Garrett, their new offensive coordinator, also that vertical passing game. I think the system will be very similar to what Jameis has been running. And so I think he could fit in well there. There wouldn't be pressure on him to play right away. And if something did happen to Daniel Jones or he takes a step back, that would be a good environment for him to sort of showcase what he can still do. It's sort of an odd spot because typically we're talking about how there's not enough quarterbacks to go around. And and whether there's enough good quarterbacks or not, the the bottom line is it's sort of like quarterback musical chairs. There's not a lot of open spots now for a team to take a chance on a guy. You're talking about Jameis Winston, but I think we need to transition to Cam Newton as well. I mean, is there how much of this is the fact that teams can't have their team doctor look at a guy like Cam Newton, who won the MVP a few years ago, but obviously was hurt last year? Is there just a thought that that this guy might be done, or is it more just the unknown with him? Luke, I think that's a great point about the the current situation we're in where a team can't have a physical done on Cam Newton because, like you said, just a couple of seasons removed from the MVP campaign, and I still think he has good football left in him, but there is the injury factor. You know, he's had the injuries mount up. He's a very physical player at the quarterback position, and it has taken its toll on him. You know, he missed basically the entire year last year. And so teams are probably hesitant from that perspective to, you know, take a run at Cam Newton because they don't know what they're going to be getting in terms of his health. I, I do think that, you know, when the dust sort of clears and we're able to see sort of get some physicals done, you know, teams will be very interested in Cam Newton. A uh, team, I think, like the Chargers, like I was just talking about, I think he'd also be a fit there. A wild card would be the New England Patriots. They, they're telling us that we're going to roll with Jared Stidham. They acquire Brian Hoyer, which does make it seem like they're just looking to see what they have in Jared Stidham before perhaps making a decision this time next year about the quarterback position if he doesn't pan out. But it's hard to pass on a guy like Newton that has led a team to a Super Bowl, that has won an MVP, that can, in today's National Football League, give you that athleticism with the position, which, let's be honest, the Patriots haven't had in 20 years because Tom Brady's not exactly the world's greatest athlete. And so I think... If the dust clears and they get a chance to sort of evaluate Cam Newton, New England might sort of see if they could get him in on, say, a one-year prove-it type deal, sort of see what he still has left. Talking to Mark Schofield, Mark, last one for you. You, you brought up New England there and, and the situation they're currently in. I mean, if, if it's not Cam Newton, are we really going to see Bill Belichick willing to roll into next season with Jarrett Stidham as their quarterback? I think so, Luke. And I can tell you that – the team and people in the building are very excited about what he showed over the past, say, year or so. Because, uh, you know, from talking to people that cover the team, from talking to people, you know, in the organization, when he came in for rookie OTAs, Jared Stidham was throwing interceptions during walkthroughs. Like, just during, like, basic, like, okay, this is what a play looks like. He would throw interceptions in those kind of moments. And people that were covering the team, people in the sideline were looking around like, well, what, what is this all about? He was just nowhere near where he needed to be as a rookie coming in. But over the course of training camp and into the preseason games, he looked good in the preseason games. And, you, you know, you hear guys like Devin McCourty, who gave a recent interview saying that part of the reason that the Patriots' defense was good last year was because of what he was doing against them on scout team. He was giving them great looks each week. Sometimes he was lighting them up during practices. The organization is very excited about Jared Stenham. And so I do think that given the Brian Horner move, given the other – holes that they now have to fill because you remember they lost to Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins and Deron Harmon. They've lost a lot of players this offseason so far. You know, they have other needs to address. And so I think unless 
something strange happens and say, a Cam Newton checks out for them or in the draft, a, a Justin Herbert somehow falls in number 23, they're going to roll with Jared Stidham and see what they have over the next year or so. And if it doesn't pan out and things really do go badly, they might be in position to make a move to the top of the draft next year and get a guy you know, that might be more appealing to them at that time. God, like Trevor Lawrence on the Patriots, Mark Schofield. I know. Just don't let it happen, people. Just don't <laughs> let that happen. I don't know what's worse, that or them somehow winning with Jarrett Stidham. It's, it's, they just won't Both go away. Both would be bad. They would. Mark, great stuff. Thanks, uh, thanks for the time. I know everybody's got a lot of crazy stuff going on, but we appreciate your insight, man. Luke, thanks so much for having me. Have a great night. All right, you too. That's Mark Schofield, USA Today NFL writer. Thanks to him for joining us on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line, your family-owned dealership for Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Nissan, and Infiniti. Don't got a lot of sports right now, so when we come back, we'll give you our top five sporting events we'd love to attend. Basically, our, our sports wish list. That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's The Rundown. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, that song means it's time for Top 5. Tonight's topic, Top 5 Sporting Events. We want to go to. So here are the rules. It could be anything. Like you could say NFL draft, that that's that's your thing. And always you can tweet into the show at rundown987 if there's anything you uh, you hear us talk about here that you think we missed. So I guess it would be something we don't talk about. Um, and also on this list, it can be something you've been to. Although I'm looking at my list, I don't believe I've been to any of the five things I have that I want to go to. So I haven't either. Okay. If that helps. Okay. It makes me feel a little bit better about myself. Uh, we'll go through some honorable mentions afterwards, but uh, start at number five. Michaela, you can go first. Um, okay, this is kind of start big, but I have other reasons. But the fifth place that I'd want to go to most is the 2024 Summer Olympics in Paris. Oh, this is very specific. <laughs> I mean, I would love to go to any like Olympic site, Yeah, but Paris seems really... I've never been to Paris, and I feel like that would be a really neat place to go to watch the world come together. I mean, I love the Olympics for so many reasons, but the mo- the main reason is because it's basically every country, not every country, but you know what I'm saying, yeah. comes together and they bond over sports, which I think is so cool. So getting to see that and also be in Paris at the same time would be pretty sweet. So. That would Nobody's going to argue with that. 2024 Olympics, All baby. Right. I'm going. We'll see Michaela there. Uh, my number five, and, and this one I started kind of broad, just a March Madness game. I've never been to an actual NCAA tournament game uh, and I guess I'll say, I mean, if we're going to go a little more specific like you just did, how about an ASU March Madness game? I'll just pencil that, that in. That would be sweet. That You might that. have to wait a little bit for that, but that would be really cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, or even if I don't have to wait, I need to make sure I get to a play-in game or something or, or something in the first weekend. But yeah, ASU to March Madness game would be intense. I mean, you get to this point where you, where you do this job and you don't really get yourself invested as a fan as much, but... When it's the school you went to, if I was at an ASU March Madness game, I would not be in the press box because there's no cheering in the press box. Yeah, no, I would love to see that, but like I said, we might have to wait a little, <laughs> wait a little bit. All right, what do you got number four? Number four, I kind of the same thing. I said Final Four slash na- National Championship. Um, I think it'd be cooler to go to the games that are later on in the tournament just because obviously the best teams are the ones that are left at the end. Yeah. Um, so, you know, either a Final Four or a National Championship would be cool. I did get to work for 
the NCAA when they were here in Phoenix for the men's final four in 2017. Um, but it was at Radio Row, which was at the Phoenix Convention Center. So it was separate from the tournament and I didn't get to go to any of the games. But being around it still and getting to have some part of it was really cool. Um, that would be really cool. Number four on my list. And I actually did almost go to Auburn, Oregon when it was here. And the Coyotes had a game the same night. But uh, the national championship, college football, one and done to, to see who actually wins. Just because college football fans are so crazy about their teams. And I'll tell you right now, uh, yeah, because it, 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 it it's part of my reasoning for the national championship. I don't have the Super Bowl on my list. I um, I don't. I don't. No way, really? Yeah, because, look, if somebody handed me Super Bowl tickets, I wouldn't be like, no, I'm too good for that. But I like watching the Super Bowl with a bunch of people on TV. That's just, and maybe it would be different if the Cardinals were in the Super Bowl, but I'm just kind of thinking more just the actual event itself. If you if you could send me to a, a college football national championship just because the fans are so into it, and I, my perception of attending the Super Bowl has always been that it's a little little more corporate than you would expect, but uh, but to just to have the craziness of, of both fans there for the, uh, the national championship, I'd be all in on that. Well, and as much as I love our alma mater... <laughs> yes, well. college football at Arizona State <laughs> is not the same as college football in the South. So it would be pretty cool to experience an environment like that. Yeah, and also I, I'm not, as you will note, uh, putting a national championship, including ASU. Yes. I'll just go to a national championship game. I love you, ASU, and I love you, ASU fans, but our football culture is way different than SEC football culture. So it'd be cool to experience. <laughs> just to be clear, too, when we say ASU, we're talking about Arizona State, not Angelo State, but we will get to them in the second yes, hour of the show. That's disclaimer. coming up. <laughs> All right, number three. Um, my number three is a Super Bowl. I think it'd be so cool. I've never been. It's too expensive, obviously, for me. <laughs> um, I it, it comes with a disclaimer, though. I will only go if it's in a warm location. Oh, if okay. the Super Bowl's in Minnesota, I'm not going. I'm sorry, but no. February <laughs> in Minnesota does not sound like a good time to me. So if the Super Bowl is in a warm location, I will be attending. <laughs> it's going to be in warm locations now for a while, so I, I, you should be good there. Um my number three, I'm guessing you have this on your list somewhere. Mm-hmm. Just a World Series game. Oh, my God. That's only your number three? Hold on. Oh. Yes, it is. Um, but I, I struggled with between three and two. But a World Series game, I don't know. Like, I, I know that a lot of people knock baseball for different reasons or being not outdated. But Which just, are all incorrect. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're wrong. Baseball's not boring. You I, are. I didn't say baseball was boring. It's on my list. <laughs> I know, but for anyone who thinks baseball is boring, it's not the game. It's you. That's okay. putting it out there. <laughs> Thank you for attacking any listeners that don't love baseball. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the flip side to it is when you get into the playoffs, every pitch matters so much. And, like, to be there and to hear the Astros banging on the trash can or, <laughs> or to see everything, like, live in person, I would be. And, look, Game 7 obviously would be the pinnacle, but I'd go to Game 3 of a World Series. Even just being at the, the D-backs playoff game, what, two years ago? The the uh, the wild card matchup with Colorado that was insane. Yeah, so. it was really cool. I was at that game too. That was the only playoff baseball game I've ever been to, and it was like indescribable. It was so amazing. The whole place was packed, and there yeah. were red rally towels all over. The- it was so cool. I literally get chills still thinking about. I, I still have three of those. Towels, it was a wild card game, and it was insane. It yeah. was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. I've been to a, a decent amount of NFL, NBA, and NHL playoff games. I've been to a ton of NBA playoff games. I believe that was the first baseball playoff game I'd ever been to. It was the most surreal experience. I will never, ever forget it. Um, All right. Ready for number two? I'm ready for number two. The Major League Baseball game in London is my number two. Oh, okay. I like this. Because you get international travel 
London is sweet. I've never been to London. Heard great things. Heard the people are awesome. I want to try some tea and biscuits at a baseball game, which they have apparently. They have tea and biscuits at the baseball game. That sounds about right. And yeah, it's baseball. And you know how much I love baseball. So baseball no, and London, right? Baseball in London sounds pretty sweet to me. So I would want to go to the Major League Baseball game in London. That's uh, I-, I like that you have very specific events. Like yeah. you-, you have like a checklist you're going to go down and-, and actually get to these things. Definitely. Uh, number two on my list is the Winter Olympics. Um, and look, I love the Summer Olympics too. For basically all the reasons you laid out earlier with the Olympics, just sports bringing the world together. I think that's something that appeals to most sports fans and certainly anybody in our industry because you have you have a, a a pretty pretty good love of sports if you're working here. Um, but Winter Olympics, I mean, just because snowboarding and hockey and all, I just most of the sports that I have grown up playing are all winter based, so I'm just more into the winter. But I'd I'd go to the Summer Olympics too. All right, good choice. I'm sure you can guess my number one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anybody that knows us, I think our number ones were pretty Yeah, I know what your number one is already. My number one is a World Series game. I would cut off my left arm to go to a World Series I don't think game. you have to do that. I think you just probably buy tickets. <laughs> They're so expensive, though. My Okay, my goal isn't to attend a World Series game as a fan. My goal is to go to a World Series working in World Series. Okay. Like, as a media member or as a member of the team that's in the World Series, just in some capacity, I want to be a part of the World Series as like a contributing member. What about like pitcher for the Yankees? Because they have the lineup to get themselves to the World Series, but they don't have enough pitching. Would you be willing to do that? Throw me in the bullpen, coach. I'm ready. I'll start start. warming up my arm right now. We got time, man. We got lots of time. (laughs) (laughs) True. Don't blow out your arm here in the next eight months. Uh, My number one, I don't know if you could have guessed this, Michaela. I'd like to go to a Stanley Cup game. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was... For obvious reasons. (laughs) But, uh, and look, I know of the four main sports... Hockey is is certainly fourth in the valley. I get that, but if you've ever been to a just an NHL playoff game, it is insane. It is it is all the intensity of baseball, but just with like a lot of uh, hey lot of hey, be careful. People flying around on skates and hitting into each other, and very uh, angry fans. Now, I will say this on my uh, honorable mention: mm-hmm. NBA Finals, certainly Super Bowl. I mean, at a certain point, I want to go to a World Cup game. It doesn't make my top five. But like an actual World Cup soccer game, just because I've never been to an international soccer game that's not like a friendly or something with that much on the line. You want to talk about crazy fans? I think that would be a once in a lifetime experience. It doesn't mean as much to me as the other events on this list, so it's not making my top five. Yeah, but it'd be pretty cool. All right. That is our top five. We're going to come back. Hour number two of the show. We'll start it with the reload next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Hour number two of the show, live from the Akchin Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here, Michaela Perkins behind the glass. And we're going to go to Michaela to start off the reload. Well, it appears as though we will have to wait a little while longer to watch Team USA go for gold. Yeah, uh, this is a tough one. Having the Olympics postponed till most likely 2021. I don't believe they've officially said that's what it's going to be, but it, it makes the most uh, sense. Canada and I believe Australia yesterday and this morning were like, hey, look, we're not. We're, if you have the Olympics when they're scheduled here this summer, we're just not going to go. So now you're going to deal with countries pulling out. Uh, certainly seems like the smartest move all the way around. I know there's a lot of logistics to bringing everybody together a, a year later, but if they go with 2021, 
I think in a lot of ways, like I, I would hate this a lot more if they were like, the Olympics are canceled, we'll see you in 2024. I, I don't think that's necessary, right? If you've already no. got the venues built up, then safety first. You're not doing it this summer because you're gathering people from all over the world in a couple months. It's a lot more reasonable to expect Major League Baseball to start in June or July than it is to have the Olympics uh, in July. But um, if you push it back just one year, a lot of these athletes still have a chance to be Olympians then. Whereas if you push it back four years, a lot of these sports, you know, it's not just basketball. So a lot of these sports, these, these people never get to go pro and they really only have like a two or three year window. So you can't be pushing it back four years. So uh, sad, but somewhat inevitable. All right. Apparently, being a professional basketball player does not equal being good at NBA 2K. <laughs> yeah, the Suns, uh, they lost again today on Twitch. What was the final? It was at least closer than when Tony Jefferson did it, right? Yes, it was much closer. I'm looking up the score right now. Um, Frank Kaminsky played as the Phoenix Suns. I do love that the Suns have uh, evolved this to the point where they have players or like celebrity fans of the teams playing. Final he- score, 93-87. Okay, so, you know... Indiana's a good team. Brian Bone, the the second, was playing for Indiana in that one, the rookie. But um, Suns come up short. What's their record now in Twitch? One and three. This is sort of similar to their real record this season. Yeah, it's crazy how uh, similar the NBA 2K version of yeah. the Suns is to the actual Suns. <laughs> it's a pretty accurate game, actually. Uh, but I, like I said, we've been we've been following this since they first did the game against Dallas a little over a week ago. I just love the innovation. You got to be innovative in times like this and obviously a time like this is unprecedented for any of us but uh, I like the innovation that the Suns and these other teams are showing the Coyotes did this uh, on Friday night against Detroit and we saw we saw we saw NASCAR do it over the weekend too like we're seeing we're seeing people get innovative I love the innovation hey Luke is it me or is the Los Angeles Rams hard to distinguish from Angelo State University? Not you. Which is which? It's the opposite of innovation. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this. If you haven't seen the LA Rams logo. It's bad. Um, it's, it's not, not good. good. It really isn't. I'm, I'm, nope. I'm looking and here's the thing about this. It looks like the Chargers. There's it no does. way around it. It does. The Chargers have to do something because... Not only do they share a stadium, but they look exactly like the same. Their yeah. branding is so identical. It's it's hard to distinguish. They're meshing into the same team. I thought earlier was that maybe the Chargers just have a Ram as their logo just to <laughs> sort of like mix things up. But the problem I would have with this if I was a Rams fan, and since I'm not, I'm just kind of laughing from afar. This logo got leaked. What was it about two, three weeks ago? Just, yeah. And the response was overwhelmingly Bad. don't make that yes, the logo. Please don't, don't, please don't do this. And I, they still did it. I remember the phrase cat vomit showing up prominently oh in the comments section. Cat vomit, ham sandwich, <laughs> same thing. And uh, and they went out and they just released the same logo today. It's so bad. Uh, they have, there's a separate logo where it's the actual Ram's head and that looks better. It does. But anytime you have to release your logo with a, a video explaining why you did it, they knew people didn't like it when they released oh, the yeah. logo. And to your point, if you look at Angelo State of the Lone Star Conference, which I didn't even know existed until a few hours ago, and I thought I knew of all the ASUs out there, like Alcorn State, Arkansas State. Appalachian State, yeah. Adam State. And of course, Arizona State. This is an ASU I didn't even know existed. If you haven't seen it, look at the Rams' new logo, Next to Angelo State's it's logo. It's the same logo. It's the 
same logo. Same logo, same color. It's disturbing. I swear. How do you not know that is out there? It's like in high school when you need to copy your friend's homework and they're like, all right, just change it up a little bit so you don't get caught. But then you get caught. (laughs) Well, they just photocopied the test (laughs) and handed it in. It's so bad. And and I saw, you know, most people were just laughing at them for this. A couple people pushed back like, so what? You know, there's there's college teams that have the logo, the same logos like uh, of NFL teams. It's different when it is a college or a high school copying an NFL team. Right. When you're the NFL, you're the, the, the league everybody looks up to. Right. I didn't even know Angelo State was a school prior to like three hours ago, but now well, I do. they have the Rams to thank them for putting on the map. Good marketing for them. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, the Arizona Diamondbacks have rallied around their community, donating $550,000 to local organizations. Yeah, a, just a, a great story. Not surprised at all. The Diamondbacks are just a, an outstanding organization, and something like this does not, it, it doesn't shock me at all. But I don't want to diminish the fact that it's still a huge deal. $550,000 yeah. is a lot, a lot of, money. of money. And, uh, you know, in a time like this, this is what this is what the big businesses. I'm not going to say should do. I'm not going to tell them that anybody how to spend their money, but they really need to do this. And 550000 is is maybe even a little bit more than I would expect, but it, it's great to see a team like the D-backs, and we've seen other teams stepping up as well. But, uh, you know, you really got to do it at a time like this. That, that money's going to go a long way for a lot of people. Some good news in this time of day. Yeah. All right. Well, it looks like there will be some quarterback competition in New England for the first time in a long time. I cannot believe that the Patriots are considering going into next season with Jarrett Stidham as their quarterback. And we had Mark Schofield on before, and he brought up the point that, you know, they, they give this a try maybe for a year. And if it doesn't work, they maybe are picking high enough in the drafts. And my first thought is maybe they get Trevor Lawrence. I can't help but think of that list that we had on Friday that the uh, it was it was some offshore betting site had put out. Who's the Patriots quarterback in 2021? Trevor Lawrence was the second most favored on, on their odds list. Deshaun Watson was the favorite, and that was before he sent out this tweet today. So who knows? But uh, Bill Belichick is on his way to Houston as we speak, actually, to go rescue Deshaun. That's a lot better option than Jarrett <laughs> Stidham. Bro. Oh, boy. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, the Cardinals quarterback room will not see much change this season. Yeah, Brett Hundley back for another year. Um, you know, he, he wasn't... He wasn't going to get to go start somewhere else, so then at that point, it's it's where do you want to be a backup? And there are other teams where if you're a backup, you maybe have a better chance of becoming the starter in like week six or something uh, in, in such a way where it's not injury. I'm, I'm sure if you go up and down the NFL, there are like if you want to be Tyrod Taylor's backup with the Chargers, maybe you have a better chance of, of starting than if you're Kyler Murray's backup. Is that it's possible, you know, the Chargers are looking to draft Tua or something, and maybe they weren't interested in a guy like Brett Hundley. So, I think Brett Hundley, this is a situation sort of similar to Kenyon Drake, actually, in that it benefits him more to stay here, and it benefits the team to keep him here because you don't want to have to go out and pay for a backup quarterback, uh, especially you know one that isn't used to your system or used to what Cliff Kingsbury uh, and his offense are all about. There's a great relationship between Hundley and Kyler Murray. Hundley's still a very young guy, but he's got some experience in this league having played behind uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and he can pass that on to a guy like Kyler Murray. I think, you know, this is, he just, continuity's huge, and you, you got to find a way to, to keep that going. We haven't seen continuity in so long with the Cardinals and the Suns, and now both of them are, are putting more of an emphasis on it. That's, that's a quality you can't necessarily measure with very specific stats. It varies, I guess, from year to year. But 
it's an intangible that you you want to you want to control as much as you can control and leave as little to chance as possible. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd much rather just have Brett Hundley as the backup quarterback. If he has to step in for a game or two here or there, I don't think the Cardinals automatically lose those games. And there's some backup quarterbacks in this league that if they have to step in, we've seen them with the Cardinals before. You go to the backup and, you know, it's a loss. I never felt that way with Brett Hundley since he, uh, since he has been here. So good to see that one get done. All right, when we come back, ASU basketball. Made a promising run towards March Madness this year, and now we don't get March Madness. But uh, one very prominent national publication expects big things from them next season as well. That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's The Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski. Luke, I am your father. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Luke Lipinski here with you. We are supposed to be in week two of March Madness, right? Heading into the Sweet 16 on Thursday. Baseball is supposed to start this week. No, we were supposed to have March Madness and baseball uh, on Thursday. I want to cry. That's the thing. Like, last week and this week, I, I always say October is the best sports month of the year, but last week and this week might be the two best sports weeks of the year. So it's just like, it's crazy that we are uh, going through this minus March Madness right now. But ESPN put out their way too early rankings. They do this every year. They usually do it like early April. It's usually the day right after uh, the national championship game. But uh, since there won't be one this year, they went ahead and put them out today. And actually put them out over the weekend. Jeff Borzello, excellent writer for ESPN. Put them out over the weekend, and a couple things stood out to me. So he's got his top 25 how he sees the top 25 shaping up next season. Now, college basketball doesn't start till what, next October, November, so seven, eight months away from college hoops. Only two teams in the top 25. Neither one of them uh, from Arizona. He's got Colorado number 21. He's got Oregon number 23. Okay, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pick apart those those choices. Both good teams this year and decent recruiting classes. This is where things got a little interesting for me. And I know these are just rankings way ahead of time. But also, it's it's different if you're talking about rankings in a college sport as opposed to preseason power rankings in the NFL. If whatever website has the Cardinals 29th in their preseason power rankings in July and the Cardinals go out there and win 10 or 11 games, well, they'll move right up to where they should be. College sports... If you are, if you, especially basketball, but I mean football as well, if you are uh, preseason ranked really low or really high, it, it certainly can impact where you finish the season. You know, if you, if you start the season outside the top 25 and you finish 19 and 12, and there's another team that started the season ranked ninth and they finished 19 and 12. Decent chance they're going to be ranked higher than you at the end of the season just because of where they started. So there is some value to this. These are not the official rankings, and obviously ESPN is flat out saying these are way too early, but it does give you a sense of where the national perception is of these schools. So let's get to the Arizona schools. Borzello has his top 25. He has next in line, the first school next in line. He has ASU. So essentially 26th on this list. Uh, he goes all the way through 30 with the next in line. He has UCLA in there as well. So if you if you go with the next in line and the top 25, he's got four Pac-12 schools. No U of A anywhere. 
I searched up and down this list to the point where I even hit Control F just to make sure I wasn't like skipping over U of A somehow. Doesn't have him in his top twenty-five or in the next in line. So a couple things to look at there. A he has ASU ahead of U of A. Maybe that's a reality we're heading towards, and I just haven't fully. Um, I'm embracing it, so I, I shouldn't say that, but I haven't like fully gotten used to it. But uh, that that's weird to me to not see U of A on this list. ASU has a decent recruiting class, and if you look at who they're losing, I mean, losing losing Rob Edwards hurts. I'm not going to say it doesn't. When when he's on ASU, ASU's just, I mean, they're a more dangerous team. But you're going to have Alonzo Verge back, coming off a really good season as a sixth man, essentially. Romello White, Remy Martin, you're going to have all these guys back. So And you're going to have a decent recruiting class as well. So it does make sense that ASU is going to be on more and more national radars. It's tough, certainly, for you know a lot of reasons if you're an ASU fan. You just want March Madness in general. But also ASU was an intriguing team going into this tournament. Not like they were going to win the whole thing, but they, you know, they were an intriguing team going in. And certainly intriguing going into the Pac-12 tournament. But if you're upset about that, you can take some solace in the fact that they are supposed to be a pretty good team next year. And... um you know, already being perceived that way by a uh, a site like ESPN certainly doesn't uh, doesn't hurt either. Back to the Cardinals, Devon Kennard uh, addressed the media today. He was introduced as one of the newest members of your Arizona Cardinals. Wasn't introduced in a typical press conference though, because we can't have those right now. So he was actually introduced over uh, over computer on Zoom, but he was asked what made Arizona an attractive destination to him. I think what they're building here is really special. Uh, the guys on the team got a chance to, uh, I know a few and got a chance to meet some this off season, even before I signed here. And uh, I just, uh, I think it's a, it's a young team with a lot of opportunity. I like uh, what, what, what the, um, coach Kingsbury is doing here. And I'm excited about, you know, the direction of the program and what we'll be able to accomplish this year. Now, of course, Devon Kennard is also from the Valley. I was talking to some of my buddies. I uh, grew up here with, and played high school ball with and uh, we'd always have conversations like how cool it would be if I played for the Cardinals one day and and all of those things but it's one of those things you didn't think would actually you know happen and what are the chances type of deal so when it did um, you know it was just kind of like wow like and you know it's still kind of like setting on me even now like thinking about the fact that I'll be home and family and friends will be able to uh, come to games and just what the day-to-day uh it's going to look like for me. Um, you know, I'm used to being gone majority of the year. So it's, it's uh, going to be cool and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Family and friends getting to come to games, getting to just be at home year rounds has to appeal to somebody like his dad. You know, my dad was super excited. He couldn't believe it. When I, I remember when I first mentioned it to him, he was like, really? Like, no, no way. It's just the fact that, you know, father and son being able to play for the same organization. Um, I don't know how many times that's happened, but, you know, I'm sure it's not that common. So um, to have that kind of opportunity and, and for it to be home where, you know, um, my family, family lives and, and everything is, is really cool. Yeah, Derek Kennard, of course, his dad, and Devin Kennard, uh, went to Desert Vista. Now, more from from Kennard, not so much in the excitement of getting to play in Arizona, but how about playing alongside 
Chandler Jones. Being able to play alongside Chandler, you know, um, I was actually, when I was in Detroit last year, it was in, in the middle of the year, and, and I was on, like, Good Morning Football, and I mentioned I think he was Defensive Player of the Year um, at the time. You know, I think he's a heck of a player. I've got a chance to to meet him a couple of times. Um, uh, just the energy he brings, I can only imagine what he's like in the locker room and, and in the position room, so I'm excited to be around, uh, you know, the type of caliber of player he is, and, and uh, you know, I'm going to be picking his brain, and and hopefully, uh, you know, cause some problems on the other side of them. That, that stuff's always, uh, it's just, that's, that's good to hear, right? I mean, if you're Chandler Jones, that's got to be, that's got to be a great thing to hear. Another player in the league looking up to you like that. But it's good if you're a Cardinals fan, too. Just sort of a reminder of how good Chandler Jones has been, even though the team has struggled over the last couple of years. But Devon Kennard was, was a captain on Detroit last year. And yet he's looking up to a guy like Chandler Jones because Chandler's, I mean, he's been flat out dominant since the Cardinals got him from the Patriots. How about in terms of how the Cardinals are going to use Kennard when they, uh, when they, when they signed him last week, the thought was certainly he's going to be the outside linebacker opposite Chandler Jones. He's not going to be the guy tasked with covering the tight end. They still got to find that guy, or at least at the time they did, maybe they, maybe they have since found him in Campbell, but, uh, but that's not really going to be his role. And, and he backed that up today. I imagine I'll be, you know, rushing and on the line of scrimmage a lot more than man-to-man cover, covering people. I don't think that's uh, – not that I, I, you know, I can be in coverage, and I do – I am in coverage, but playing man-to-man on tight ends, down after down, it's not really my thing. And uh, one more. We have to play this. He was asked, what was your reaction to the DeAndre Hopkins trade when it happened last Monday? And again, remember, this is this is different than – Chandler Jones' reaction or Patrick Peterson or anybody that was on the Cardinals last Monday. Devon Kennard wasn't a Cardinal last Monday. He was still a Lion technically at that point. But this was his reaction when he saw what the Cardinals did to Houston. I mean, to be honest, I couldn't believe it. I was like, how how the heck did that happen? Um, You know, DeAndre is an incredible player. So I'm excited to, to hopefully get a chance to get to know him. And, um, you know, I have a ton of respect. I remember when I was in Detroit and, and uh, we actually played that uh, we're approximately against them last camp and uh, the matchups, it was, it was fun to watch on film, the matchups between him and Slay. So, um, you know, got a chance to, you know, watch him a little bit because of that. And, and I'm excited for him to be a, t- be my teammate. And I'm glad he's on, he's on my team. You know what I mean? Yeah. How about that? Darius Slay versus DeAndre Hopkins. Two weeks ago meant the Lions and the Texans, and now it means the Eagles and the Cardinals. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll certainly I'll take it. Speaking of the Texans, their quarterback all of a sudden doesn't seem very happy. That's next. That's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. start doing our rejoin music based on tweets from NFL players this offseason. It's great content, honestly. And who doesn't love Drake? I love a good Drake lyric. If you go to my Instagram, you will see like 95% of my posts are captioned with Drake lyrics. Are you subtweeting people when you do it or no? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, let's be honest. Drake came along at, at the right time because his lyrics are very good for the subtweets and... They are the uh, inspiration for Deshaun Watson's tweet today. Lyrics of this song, Emotionless by Drake. He, um, this one bumps. Yeah, look, it's it's I a like good it. song. I just don't know that. I think that's Mariah Carey, isn't it, in the background? No. I think it is. If Drake is going to want or two things, it's writing emotion raps and providing Instagram captions. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Deshaun Watson tweeted out 
this morning. I don't know how I'm going to make it out of here clean. Can't even keep track of who plays for the other team. Iconic duos rip. Wait, try to do it to the beat. The Go ahead. No. Let's see. Wrap <laughs> it, Luke. Wrap it. Everybody else is rapping. I'm not going to do it. Um, you know, the more I, I, I think about it, maybe this was just such a, it was too perfect of a lyric for him to not tweet it out, right? That's it's, what I'm saying. Drake understands us. He gets our generation and he writes for us so that we can provide quality subtweets and Instagram captions. But it's like he wrote this about the Houston Texans. He might have. Maybe he's he can see into the future and he knew that Deshaun Watson was going to be pissed. Actually, I mean, he's Drake's Drake's not dumb. He's you write a lyric like that, you figure if nothing else, at least a few NBA players are going to be able to to cite that totally. in the offseason. So. I'm just looking at the comments back to it. The first one is demand the trade now. Uh, there's a bunch of comments back to this tweet from earlier today from for, from Texans fans saying, look, I'm a Texans fan. I wouldn't blame you if you wanted out of here. Get out while you can. Deshaun Watson not saying he wants out. I will say this, and this is somewhat nauseating to a good uh, a good chunk of the sports fan population. I'm seeing a lot of gifts of Bill Belichick as responses. That's what here. I'm saying. I'm telling you right now, Bill Belichick is on his way to Houston to go rescue Deshaun Watson. <laughs> I love this one. Bill, it's Bill. You still want Sony Michelle for Watson? <laughs> it's just a picture of <laughs> Belichick on the phone. That's savage. That's oh my god. That's by somebody I don't know, Dogzilla. Uh, but pretty decent response from the uh, the fans on that one too. Um it would be terrible if Deshaun Watson went to the Patriots, but I don't know. Would it, would you really be shocked if he wasn't on the Texans a year and a half from now? Heck no. Uh, and I, I, I got to say, when I saw this and I saw all the responses from Patriots fans, I could not help but think of that random prop bet that was, I don't even know who sent it to me. I need to go find who sent it to me. Maybe it was somebody from the future who sent it to me on Friday that said, Odds of who's going to be the Patriots quarterback in 2021. And Deshaun Watson was the favorite. Trevor Lawrence was second. Jarrett uh, Jarrett Stidham was third. And uh, I guess at the moment, Jarrett Stidham is going to be the starting quarterback because the Patriots have Brian Hoyer in town as as the guy that's going to push him. And Cody Kessler. Um, Let's just let's transition right into the Patriots. And hopefully the answer to this question is not ultimately Deshaun Watson. But. Who's going to be the Patriots quarterback when the 2020 season begins? Ian Rappaport said, no, seriously, it's going to be a battle between these three guys. Brian Hoyer, Jared Stidham, and Cody Kessler are going to be battling it out for the starting quarterback position once held by Tom Brady. Of course, the Patriots could draft a quarterback as well, but we're still a month from finding out that answer. Now, I want to be careful here. I don't want to I don't want to bash Stidham too much because I'm guessing when Brady first got the job in New England, people were bashing him because he was a seventh round pick and then all of a sudden the Patriots won six Super Bowls. So I don't want to go too heavy on the Jarrett Stidham ripping campaign here because watch the Patriots will, will come out of this somehow and win another three Super Bowls with him. But <laughs> at least on paper, you want to talk about the biggest drop-offs at the quarterback position in NFL history. Like, we talked about this last week. Green Bay, when they when they lost Brett Favre, they had Aaron Rodgers right there. In fact, they forced Favre out the door because they knew Rodgers was good, and he ended up probably better. When the 49ers lost Joe Montana, they had Steve Young. Those are the extremes. But, you know, typically when you lose a, a legend, you're going to a guy that, that he's, just, he's nowhere near the same level and he's not ever going to be on the same level. You know that going in. But if we go from Tom Brady 
to Brian Hoyer or Cody Kessler? Like, what if one of those guys beats out Jarrett Stidham? That's got to be the biggest drop-off at that position in NFL history from one year to the next. It's already going to be a big drop-off, no matter who you have. You could have Deshaun Watson. It's still going to be a drop-off from the guy that has accomplished more at the quarterback position than anybody in NFL history. But I'm looking at that list. If it really is Hoyer, Stidham, and Kessler, which sounds like a law firm now that I read it out loud, if it's really those three competing for the starting job next year in New England, I'm not even sure who I would want if I'm a Patriots fan. I think I'd want Stidham to be the starter because maybe there's a chance he's your quarterback of the future, and if not, I mean, you're hoping he's so bad that you are able to get Trevor Lawrence or somebody like that the following year. Uh, more on this from Ian Rappaport. Why did Brian Hoyer pick the Patriots? Well, believe it or not, New England is going to have a quarterback competition during the 2020 training camp. Here's what we know. Brian Hoyer, the former Patriots backup two times, has now been signed to a one-year deal. Gets a million dollars or so from the Patriots, a million dollars from the Colts as part of a bonus that he received uh, despite being released by them. And, of course, he gets $2 million extra in incentive to depending on how he plays and how much he plays. But that is not all. Agent Joe Linter, who I talked to after the deal happened, said that Hoyer could have been offered 5 or $6 million from another team, but he wanted to be in New England because they told him he would have the chance to compete for the starting job. Yeah, the quarterback carousel this offseason has been crazy. And uh, the fact that Cam Newton and Jameis Winston still don't have jobs, the fact that Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer and maybe Cody Kessler do, John Watson is one of the few guys that is locked in from where he was last year. I guess Kyler Murray is, too. But for how much longer? I mean, how long do you think it takes for him to pull a Patrick Peterson and tries to get himself out of his situation? Man, I, I mean, the thing is, nobody would blame him, right? And we're sitting no. here reading through all these Texans fans' comments, and they wouldn't blame him. But if you compare it to the Patrick Peterson situation, so many Cardinals fans were so upset when he did that. Yeah. So I, I bet they're just saying it because they're talking a big game. But if he actually did it, they would be so yeah. salty. They yeah. would be so upset. I, I just I can't get over the fact that the Texans were supposed to be one of the teams that took over when the Patriots dynasty ended. And whatever the Patriots are going to be going forward, the dynasty as we know it is over. I think we can safely say that right now. It doesn't mean they're going to be terrible and maybe they're good again in a year or two. But the, the Brady Belichick era is over. Tom Brady's on the on the Buccaneers. So for the last couple years, you looked around and you were like, okay, who's going to take over in the AFC when this happens? And you always have the thought, okay, Pittsburgh, maybe I'll hang around. Baltimore will hang around. And certainly Baltimore got really good really quickly. Kansas City, it was pretty clear, was going to be the main team. But I don't think it was crazy to think Houston might be the second team in line because you had Deshaun Watson with DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and some of these other receivers that when they're healthy are, are, are decent. They're not DeAndre Hopkins, but they're something. J.J. Watt, Javian Clowney. Now, all of a sudden, you don't have Clowney, you don't have Hopkins, and your quarterback is tweeting Drake lyrics. That's not a great sign. That's never a good sign if you're a coach when your quarterback is, is tweeting Drake lyrics. Universally, not a good sign. Best case, it's just nothing. But probably means he's not real happy with you or, or the GM, which in this case is, is the same person. All right, before we got to wrap up, though, Michaela, where would you rank off the top of your head of the 32 NFL logos now? Where would you put the Rams' new logo? 32. Behind the Cleveland Browns who don't have a logo. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I'm with they you. They deserve it. So they deserve you. it, okay? That is a horrible logo, and whoever they paid for their graphic designers, they should not pay again. I'm sorry. 
It's <laughs> they literally either copied Angelo State University, which I've never heard of before, or they were just like, you know what, Chargers were becoming one team, and this is just how it's going to be. Sorry. Yeah, I mean the Chargers must be so confused. Like, wait, you didn't want us in your stadium, but now you're basically turning our logo and into their your colors logo. are so similar it's oh, it's a mess it is unbelievable and i'm with you i would put it behind the browns logo for the simple fact that we all saw this logo leaked three weeks ago and, and they everybody knew, was like don't do it yeah they knew that people were gonna hate it but they did it anyway so you know what you deserve <laughs> all of the fallout you get from this i didn't i didn't see any responses no. on twitter where people were like hey you know what I, it's gonna grow on me it's not awful. even people from angelo state <laughs> Who you Poor would think Angelo it's State. It's I'm sorry your logo just got jacked by the NFL. <laughs> all right, it's going to do it for us. Thanks to Michaela Perkins behind the glass. Thanks to you all for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been The Rundown on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.